0: So sorry, too. Uh, uh,
1: I like to always try to go with my gut. So tonight, just real quick, not real quick, but y'all get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that Allah wants to just give us this encouragement. So it is what it is. I just go with what Allah says. So sort to, and we will look at, okay, before we read it, uh, Sister Venus, I'll ask you first. Hmm. If I ask you to do something that you don't want to do, But I make you do it. Did you willingly do it?
0: No, I did not willingly do
1: it.
2: Because I'm being pressured to do it. I'm being pressured pressured to do it. Uh, You're pushing me beyond my will, and it's not a cheerful, um, you know, a cheerful situation, um, as if you were cheerfully giving the best part of you, more, you know. When you do it, you're going to do it with an attitude. It ain't going to be done right. And then after you do it, you still going to talk about.
0: Right, right, right. Just a smile over your viewpoint B. Agree, disagree?
3: Well, I think there's a line
0: the line is why you do something so I, I don't think
3: if you make me do something and there's still part of me that is agreeing to do it so if you break me so to say by whatever it is that you're you're forcing me to do it with um when you say against your will, it takes your will to do anything. It might go against my my way of thinking, my way of doing things, or my desire to do. But um, it takes my will to do it. I can't do it without my will.
1: Right, right. Okay, okay.
3: So I think it just depends on, you know, what to what degree – Do you want to carry the weight of your will? And I say that um, ultimately, I might do it against my belief or against whatever it is that has me resisting or uh, deferring or whatever it is I do. But um, at some point, my will is broken. I mean, my I'm giving, I'm giving my will. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I say? got you.
1: I got you. I got you. <laughs> Sister Felicia, you agree or disagree?
4: I I, I agree with both because um, if you force me to do something like at work, you know, I do stuff all the time that I don't agree with. Um. But then what happens is that it comes back around later on that I was right and they shouldn't have done it this route. But now we got a mess to clean up, and so I, but I still vocally ex, express that I don't think this is a good idea. But I'm going to do it because you suggested we do it. So I, I take it as a suggestion versus you <laughs> trying to tell me I did it because. I have to adhere to authority, of course, but I will vocally tell you that I don't think this is a good idea. So I'll get in line. I got
1: you. you. I got you. I'm not laughing at you. It's just the way you you said it. What I no no listen listen. What I actually heard was you saying. I'll do it, but I don't agree with it, so when it hits the fan, don't come blame me. Matter of fact, don't even come talk to me about it, because I already told you it was a bad idea in the first place. Sucks to be you. But we'll, well, we'll do you it your know. way. You already know.
4: You already know. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> um,
1: all right. Sister Bass, you agree or disagree?
5: I don't think anybody can force anybody to do anything ever.
0: Okay. Like, Explain.
5: Because if, I, if I'm at a job and my boss says, go do this, and I don't agree with it. Now, granted, it would probably be in my best interest to go do it, but I can quit. I can leave. I can get fired. I can walk away. Like, there's always an option. Even God right. doesn't force us to do anything. It's we We have to choose to submit to him. I think there's always an option.
1: Okay, so I'm going to piggyback off what you just said. Actually, before I piggyback off what you just said, let's read the scripture first. Two, And we are going to look at verse
0: 200 and... Wait a minute.
1: <laughs> it's sad when you write something down. Okay. are uh, 2, and we're going to go to 256.
0: 256.
1: Actually, we'll start at 255. We'll start at 255 and then go on to 256. So 255, it states, Allah, there is no deity save him. The alive, the eternal, neither slumber nor sleep, overtaketh him. Unto him belongeth whatsoever is in the heavens and whatsoever is in the earth. Who is he that intercedes with him save by his leave? Who knoweth that which is in front of them and that which is behind them, while they encompass nothing of his knowledge save what he will? His throne included the heavens and the earth, and he is ever—I'm sorry—he is never weary of preserving them. He is the sublime, the tremendous. Now, fifty-six is what I want to pay attention to. There is no compulsion. In religion, the right direction is henceforth distinct from error. And he who rejecteth false deities and believeth in Allah has grasped a firm handhold which will never break. Allah is here and nowhere. Okay, so compulsion. What does the word compulsion mean to you all? Anybody can answer me. Compulsion. Force. Force. Okay. So, there's no forcing in the religion is what God says here. Everybody see the same thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, to piggyback on something Sister Beth just said, that even God doesn't force us to do things, it's a choice. But when you really think about it, there's this twisted viewpoint that goes on where we'll say God doesn't force us to do things, but then turn around and say that God forces us to do things. So which is it? Does God force or does God not force? What do I mean? When we come to this subject of this word predestination, Sister Samaya, predestination to you means what?
3: According to... According to what we've been taught, um, it is
0: um, it is your predetermined path. Um, okay.
1: Now, if you had to break that down to explain that in little kid terms, how would you explain that?
3: Uh, it is your purpose, it, it was what you were, what you're here for, and it, it is what your life is meant to be. Or okay.
1: so, we can, go ahead, go ahead. We, can get
3: even, we can even get even stricter with that. It, it is what your life is going to be.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, here, here's the question on that. Mm-hmm. If we have the viewpoint that everything has been predestined and taken sister Samaya's definition that everything has been ordained, uh, do you have any choice in the matter?
0: Did I, did I quote you
1: wrong, Samaya? Did I quote you wrong? No, you didn't
3: quote, no, you didn't quote me wrong, but I, I preface that with, you know, according to what we've been taught.
1: Right, right.
3: Right. I love
1: that. So Hold on, wait a
3: minute, wait a minute. If me, you go
6: you you need to say everything that I just
1: said. Don't 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 twist my words I'm doing rock man. Don't twist my words. <laughs> but with that understanding that most have, does a person therefore then have a choice in life? If everything predestinated. Right. Yes. Yeah. Beth, you said yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay, so explain to me if everything's already been ordained, how you have a choice in anything?
5: Okay, and I may be completely wrong, and I, I I'll take full credit for that. But there,
1: there's no right and wrong. There's no right and wrong. Right. I just want to know what you think.
5: Okay, so <laughs> this is this is my understanding and my view. If We work within time and space, right? God works outside of time and space. So time doesn't even exist for him. So he's seeing all at one time, every single creation, their past, present, and future all at one time. So while he may know everything that you're going to choose and everything that you're going to do – and it may be all written down that this is what you're going to do. It's, I don't think it's necessarily like that he chose it for you, but that because he sees all timelines at all times, past, present, and future, all simultaneously, he could easily have that written down prior to you doing it. So while it's still your choice, He just knows what you're going to choose, if that makes sense.
1: That makes sense. So what happens if you choose the opposite of what he already knows you're going to do?
5: That's impossible.
1: Because if he can see
5: all your timelines, past, present, and future, simultaneously, and he can see everything you've ever done, doing, and going to do, he can never be wrong.
1: Okay. So... If God already knows what you gonna do before you do it, why even pray?
0: Because it's still our choices.
1: I he just knows it was choice. To do. But if the choice is already written, what is gonna be? And you, okay, let me say it this way: if it's already predestined for you to go to hell, mm-hmm. what good does it do for you to try to live right? Because God's already ordained; is you're going to hell.
5: Because if you chose. To make those decisions to go to hell, then I would—I mean, God would have known that, and that's would have been what, what He would have written for you if you would have okay, chosen well, me, to choose the right path. You, let,
1: let me ask you a question: If you were okay. a creator, you are a creator,
5: okay? And you have
1: the ability to create all the creatures you want, but before you create them, you already know their outcome, what they're going to do. Mm-hmm end result. So if you go to create the one that's just going to be a murderer, a rapist and everything else and you ultimately you're going to send it to hell is that merciful to let that, that creature even exist?
5: Well oh, that's why I don't really believe in hell quite the way that most
2: people would. I,
1: I got you but, but even without the hell. Let's just say destruction, annihilation uh huh is that merciful of a loving God to create a soul or or a creature that he already is destined, that he's going to destroy, where's the love at?
5: Because he gave so you even, an opportunity to decide, but it's not his fault what you decide. He, it, but it's also not his fault that he can see what you're going to do prior to you doing it.
1: Okay, but you, do you get my question? If I already know that you're going to be a terrible specimen, you're just going to be a disaster, a Frankenstein, why mm. out of a loving heart as a creator would I even create it?
5: Because he's all without balance, right?
1: I, 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 it can be balance, but again, my question is, can we still see that as a loving creator? Let me just say it that way. Would you still
0: see that type of creator as a loving, merciful creator? Hmm. Gotta think about this one.
5: <laughs> I mean, I don't really know. I don't. I don't really have the answer for that. I don't know. Okay.
1: Okay. So, going back to what Sister Samaya S- said, it, it would appear that most people, when we deal with the subject of predestination, both in Islam and Christianity have this viewpoint that God has already preordained everybody's lives. So if that is the common belief, then technically we can't get mad at the rapist because the rapist was ordained to be the rapist. So he or she is carrying out what they were created to do. So why be mad at them? Why look down on them? Why even try to Witness to them about the love of God and get their soul saved, as we would call it, because it's already been preordained that that's what they were going to be. That's what they're going to do. It is what it is. Make sense what I'm asking here.
3: hmm It does. Okay.
1: So to the child molester. The child molester, therefore, can't help molesting children because that's what was written in destiny for him, to molest children. That's what God created. That's what God preordained, and that's what's going to happen. So now the next stage to this is how merciful is it for God to then hold these people accountable for what they did wrong when they were ordained to do the wrong?
0: Ponder that one right. for a
1: second.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Ponder okay. that one for a quick second.
5: Say it again.
1: I, my question is, if 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 the way we view predestination is what it is—that I was preordained to do and be all that I became—if I'm a bad person and I die and go stand in front of the judgment seat of God, and my book is open and my records are called out. Why even take me through all that when I was preordained? Why why am I being judged for what I was created
0: to do? Did so you still have free will?
1: How's worth the free will at if it's over if it's been preordained?
5: I wouldn't call it preordained. I would call it pre-knowing.
1: Okay. Because
5: ordained kind of makes you think that he's forcing you to do this.
1: I got you, but as Sister Samaya just brought out, a common person that you ask about predestination, their understanding is, is that before the world even was started, God already had my life planned. Before I was even born, God had already wrote my name down in the book. He knew I was going to do this. He knew I was going to be that. He does that. It was so if that's the case, it does not apply to just those of us who are close to God. This would apply for everybody. So my question that I want you to think about is, if that is the case, which is the common belief, then God, therefore, would have to be looked at as a very unjust God to predestine people to be child molesters, rapers, murderers, everything else that we know is bad, then bring them back to paradise, and then judge them based on their works, and then destroy them. That's like that's like a sick mind game.
3: Everybody mm-hmm. get what I'm saying. I, I'm not I'm not
1: downplaying God, so please stay with me. Just try to get mm-hmm. you to think about something.
0: I have a mm-hmm. comment.
1: Go ahead, Sister Samaya. Are you recording?
0: I am.
3: Okay. Um, I my am. Comment is my comment is this. I believe that that. Um, we have an innate potential, a God given potential. And we can be, we have the potential of being the extreme of one way or another, given our choices. Um, we've been given the power and the authority to be and to be God like. How, it's kind of like that thing you talk about the electricity. It's not the electricity, it's not the, the the um the energy itself, it's how you use the energy. So right. I I think that our choice determines how that potential manifests. So Got God me. knows what He has given us, you know, in terms of what we're capable of. It's all about our choices and how, how we choose to I'll I, I tell you one thing that we probably often repeat is in uh, Surah 2 about uh, it, it says uh, that
0: we seek him for guidance and
3: those are the successful so right. if if we're following that potential of his nature, you know, uh, that is of the success, that's exactly the direction we're going to go in. Uh, because re- regardless of what obstacles we may incur, um, he's there. Uh, and and it, it's the same with with the other extreme. It's just that you're taking yourself in a whole other direction. So I think it's all the choices, where the choices come in at and where the predestined, I I don't think that the way people perceive, and I say that according to the way that I've been taught, which is the way that you're addressing what you're addressing, I don't think that that is something that is written in stone because if it was written in stone, we wouldn't need choice. We wouldn't need options, right? We wouldn't. We, right. we wouldn't even need to seek God for what?
1: Right. Right. And that's what I'm saying. If everything from the time I was born to the time I die is already written, then there's there's really no reason for me to have guidance. There's no reason for me to follow this 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 spiritual book. There's no reason for me to listen to the prophets. There's no reason for none of this. Just live my life. Whatever happens, that's what was meant to happen. Right. Allah, Allahu Allah. Allah knows best. Now, I'm being silly now because here's the dangers that we, we've gotten into without quite understanding what Allah talks about.
2: Now, let, let
1: me say this first and I'll come back to that. Does the Bible, does the Quran talk about predestination? To a degree, yes. But because of our preconditioned ideas of this word predestination, we come up with all these doctrines that can't be proven by Scripture. So then you're left with tradition. So the traditional viewpoint of predestination is that everything's been written. God's already figured it all out before it was all over with. It's all destined. Okay, and again, that goes back to what I just said. So, Smyr just said, if everything's destined, then we all just should stop trying and just be who we are and just be whatever I want to be because in the end, only God's going to be able to say yeah or nay to what's written in my destiny. So, if my destiny was written to be destroyed, no matter how much I strive to be a good guy, upright and all that, it's, it's my destiny is to be a, destroyed. So I've wasted forty something years trying to up live upright when my destiny is to hell with me. And I know that sounds hard, but do you get my point? There, there's no there's there would be no point for me to pray. There would be no point of all the fasting I do, there would be no point of locking myself in the room to stay in the presence of God so that I stand an upright lifestyle. that there, there, there's no point. Right. Now The part that we don't understand is that where Allah does talk about predestination, he does not describe predestination in the sense of everything is written. What he does mean is kind of piggybacking off something somebody just said, and I'm gonna try to show you all some scriptures to make sense out of it. But when it comes to what was predestined for you, it was the tools he gave you to become who you could be. So in other words, let me say it this way. Allah would decide uh uh Tina will be born to these two parents. Uh she'll be wealthy, poor, middle class, that's decided. Will she be a boy or a girl? That's decided. Uh all those type of things are decided. So in other words, Tina has no say-so, and rather she's a male or a female. That was decided for her, predestinated. What type of family she was born into, she had no say-so in that, predestinated. But if you see the positive in this, because of who she would become, by God's wisdom, he put her in a situation to let her either develop or crash, but the choice is hers. If that didn't make sense, let me say it this way. Have you ever heard the stories of young men and young women who, who were born into very, very poor families? I mean, literally poor. And something triggered in them that they wanted to make a difference in themselves, in their family, and for their future. So they worked their butts off in school and doing whatever they had to do to better themselves. And now today they're millionaires. And they, they could go out and buy their money for a new house and all this because they took the odds that were against them and used them as stepping stones and then achieved versus letting the situation that they were in victimize them and keep them stuck. This is now where the choice comes in there. So the predicament was set, but the choices are what we choose. So let me say it this way. When God created me, He created me with an innate program in my soul. Now, I'm getting ready to show you something. I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead and tell you. So the Quran refers to predestination as the tablet, that which is written in the tablet. So when reading it from the English, we seem to think that there's some type of tablet that God has next to his chair that whatever, you know, he wants to know well, what is Beth going to do tomorrow at 3 o'clock? Bring, bring me, bring me Beth tablet so I can see what she's going to do at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> she's going to do this, she's going to do that. All right, thank you. And if that's the case, that we think again, come 3 o'clock tomorrow, when Beth does the action, we can't really say that Beth did the action because it was preordained. In Other words, she was control
2: outside
1: of herself to fulfill a, a, a moment that was written in her destiny way before the moment even happened. So there's no free will in that. But if we say that Allah created the tablet, now let me explain the tablet, and, and, and like I said, I'll show you Koran. Um The tablet deals more with the imprint of you. How does Allah know you and know your characteristics? To know your choices and know how you're going to respond to certain things, well, we would instantly say because Allah is all-knowing.
4: But what does
1: all-knowing mean? Without quite understanding what all-knowing means, we put it back to the viewpoint of predestination. He knows the future past and the present. He knows the future past and the present. Okay, so if Allah feels this way, then we have some explanations to do. For instance, In the Quran, where Allah says, I could have made all mankind one, but to test you to see which of the humans would be best of conduct, i separated you. So let's make this make sense. If Allah already knows the answers, why take us through this test? This is pointless. Does it make sense what I'm saying? It would be pointless to test me, Tina, Beth, Felicia, Venus, anybody, Because he already knows who's gonna pass it and who's not. But he makes it very clear in the Quran that I did what I did amongst the humans so that I could test you to see which of you would be best to conduct. Those who do what I've asked for you to do, paradise is promised to you. Those who deny me and do, rebel and do what you want to do,
4: pay for doom
1: for you. So, does that sound like someone who's saying, your life has been preplanned, and I'm just sitting back laughing and letting it all play out, or does it sound more like somebody is saying I did what I did in everybody's life so that I could determine which of you is best in conduct? So I asked again, think about it: Why is he saying, matter of fact, let I let you read it for yourself versus me quoted, go to Sora.
0: Uh, but, 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 uh go to Sora eighteen.
1: Sora eighteen, and then Sister Beth, can you start reading that verse five, please? And then I'll tell you when to stop. <clears throat>
5: they do uh, They do not have in this in this saying any knowledge, nor did their fathers before them, who also used to say this: "Dreadful, grave is the word that comes out of their mouth um,
1: now, now, now before be, before you finish, to give you the context. Allah has told the prophet to go question the people, why Why do you do the things that you do as far as religion is concerned? And Allah told him that the answer they're going to give you is, oh, because this is what our fathers did. My, 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 my daddy did it. My granddaddy did it. My great granddaddy did it. And in another surah, so dealing with the same context, Allah told the prophet, ask those who say that it and I'm paraphrasing now because he doesn't say these exact words. I'm just paraphrasing. He basically told the prophets, so they go ask them, if your forefathers jumped off the bridge, would you jump too? So if we're going to say I'm following what they did because that's what they did versus the right way, then if they jumped off the bridge, would, would, would you jump too? So in that context is where we're coming into, and that's why uh uh, uh in verse – Five, there. What we just read is is not five. What verse are you in? Five. Uh, no, five. Okay. Um. That that's why the context is 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 basically saying, you know, they say these things. Blase, blase, blase. Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. Verse six. Sorry, finished. Finished. Finish, yeah.
5: Calum Word is for specification. And it explains the unidentified feminine person of the verb. Hold on, means. hold
1: on. Are you read? are you reading the, the jolly? Hold version? on, I'm
5: reading, I'm reading the past year. Sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: My bad. <laughs> My
5: bad. Sorry. Okay. A thing whereof they have no knowledge, nor had their fathers. Dreadful is the word that cometh out of their mouths. They speak not, but a lie. Oh, that was so much easier to say. Okay, you want to go on? Keep going.
1: Yeah, keep going.
5: Yet it may be, if they believe not in this statement, that thou, Muhammad, wilt torment thy soul with grief over their footsteps. Lo, we have placed all that is on the earth as an ornament thereof, that we may try them, which of them is best in conduct. And lo, yeah, we can right make
1: all. Right there. Up there. So Allah says, now, remind you that in the Quran, Allah tells you that everything in the physical world is nothing more than an illusion. Just a distraction. But in this verse, he says, "Lo, we, we put ornaments. We, we beautified the physical world for one reason. And what was that reason again that you asked us about? Read it again in verse 7.
5: We may try them. Which of them is best in conduct?
1: Okay, so in front of me is a physical world that is full of lust, trials, and all kinds of stuff. But based on my Lord's advice, he says that he put all these things in front of me to try me to see whether my conduct is going to lean more towards him or more towards these worldly affairs. So the question is, if it's already been predestined, why has he tried me? He already knows the answer, so why is he trying me? Is this a sick game to him?
5: Right. I, that, that was a question. I have a question. Go ahead. Okay, and in the Quran, it's like every fourth verse, it'll say, Allah is all knower. Correct. So, make that make sense. Why would he need to see who's going to be of the best conduct if he's all-knower. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand he can be both.
1: Because that's why I said earlier, because of our pre-indoctrinated mindset of predestination, when we read the word all-knowing, we instantly associate all-knowing with predestination, meaning he already knows everything. You know, he knows it. And I'm not saying that a lot doesn't know, because a lot is the knower. But it goes back to this question that you have, like, like you're asking right now, and I'm going to answer your question here in a minute. It, but just ponder it. If he is the all-knower, then as you just said, Sister Beth, why is he testing me to see what my conduct is going to be? Because he should already know. Which goes back to my statement, this would be a very cruel game when you think about it, that God already knows what I'm going to do before I do it. But then drag me through all this but his mind's already made up. Okay. So 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 let's ask this question. Let's ask this question. Sister Venus, I'll ask this to you. If you met a guy, you met a young gentleman, cute, let's say he looked like Denzel Washington. How about that? <laughs> let's say Let's say you meet this guy and you guys start seeing each other, you're dating, and in your mind you you are all this is it. But he's already made up his mind that he don't want you. But for three years he dates you, he takes you out, you hold heads, everything, and then in the third year he tells you, "I'm good on you. I don't I don't want you." How do you feel? <laughs>
2: And like
1: wait a minute! Let me let me add let me add one more part to this. Not only does he tell you these words, but you find out that the whole three years he's been known, he ain't
0: want nothing to do with you.
2: What? Well, First of all, you would be upset, and, and you mad.
1: Why are you mad?
2: Why are you mad? You know, he was using you as a, it could have been just a convenient thing. You know, you were just convenient for him at the time. Um, uh, another thing is, is, the biggest part to me is that you wasted three years of your life with this person and it did not go anywhere. But, then on the flip side of this, since we're talking about, you know, as far as the spiritual aspect, it could, it, 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 it's really a trans situation, you know, and talk about your conduct. What did, what, 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 what was your true, true self in the matter? You personally could have really thought, you know, all good things. You know, you didn't mean no harm to this person. Your attention was great by the whole time those three years. So, okay. you know, you you could then, after it's all said and done, you know, you just wonder what in the world went wrong, what happened, you know? I would drop off a hat, you know? So, uh, that's just some of my, uh, you know, theory on it. I got it. But,
1: but, but. But you, at the end of the day, you would feel frustrated.
2: Yeah, you would. You would be frustrated because you wasted three years of your
1: life. Okay, so now let's flip this. You get to God thinking you done did everything you could to be an upright woman, and then you find out that in the tablet, before you was even born, you was destined to be destroyed along with the rest of them. What in the what? So you mean to tell me all those parties I didn't go to, all the, all the stuff that I, I wanted to do but I didn't do? I should have just did it because I was I was destined to be destroyed anyway. Do, do you get my point? There's yeah. frustration. There's confusion. There's I, make just make sense. So we continue to paint God out as this God who has already set the record for all of us. But again, it would make no sense for such statements like this, for such thinking that if Allah has to try me and everybody else on this planet to see which of us is best in our conduct, that makes no logical sense to tell me that it's already been planned. So, right. go, uh, go, go to Sora
0: 3. I'm sorry, so, Sora 2. Go back to Sora
1: 2. Or two. And, and 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 if you can see it this way, I'm gonna say two things. One, the Bible says, we'll quote Bible now He that believeth on him, to him he gave the right to become the children of God. So you have the right to become it, but you don't automatically become it. Hmm. You have to become it. It's not something that happens automatically. So, again, God set the circumstances for Abdul dual rock man's life. That I have no say-so in that. I have no say-so that Sister J. Ha was my mom. I have no say-so that do was my dad. <laughs> I have no say-so. Go ahead. What scripture are you coming from in the Bible with
2: that? Which one? The one you just quoted. Which one? The we have the
1: right to become it. Oh, that would be uh, John chapter 1 and I want to say verse 12. Try verse 12. What does verse 12 say? Okay.
2: I guess it's, I'm going here It's
1: either going to be verse 12 or verse 18. One of the two. John um, 1 and 12.
0: Okay.
2: As many received him, to
1: them power became to God. to believe on. Okay,
2: then it'd be twelve. It'd be twelve. That, that is John so, one and twelve, right? That's what I was just reading.
1: Yeah, that's so, the one that talks about we have the right, or it would say you were given the power, but the word power yeah. there is the word exousia, which means authority or right. To die, even
2: them that believe on his name, yeah.
1: Okay, so when I get linked up to God, I have the right to become what God says I am. But I have a choice. I either stay where I'm at or I I I grow into who God says I am. Now, here's the key to growing into who God says we are. One, one must know, first of all, who God says they are. Because I can't grow into something that I don't know. Amen. Right. Nice. Two, I must believe what God says I am and grow into that. And then going back to the circumstances. So Abdul Rockman's life was predestined in the sense of I had no say-so I was going to be a male child. I had no say-so who my parents were. I had no say-so to the circumstances that I was born in. I had no say-so in the matters. But when I got here, if you can imagine with me, God gave me my toolbox. And in my toolbox was everything that I was going to need to build this house that I was to become and live in. Now, I have the ability or the right to do it. I have the tools to do it. The fact now is I have to make the choice to do it. The house won't build itself. Or let me say it a different way. We can talk about a character that we want to be all day long, but if I never roll up my sleeves and put the effort to become the man that I have envisioned, I can be, I'll never become that man. It'll just always be mouth work, always talking about it, always wishing, always saying life could be so much better. Um, have you ever been around a person that always just talks about how much life sucks? Life sucks. Life sucks. Yeah.
2: I, yeah. I hate
1: my house. I hate my car.
2: Yeah. I, I I I I
1: hate the I, I hate everything about my life and I just wish I could die today and uh no, no. Okay, so I tell people if we really if we really feel that bad about life, change it.
0: hmm
1: If life is that bad, change it. Or like for instance when people always talk about I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate mm-hmm. it. I despise waking up in the morning and going to work. If it's that bad, change it. Find, find, find new employment. You don't have to suffer like this. Change
2: it. Okay. So,
1: so, so I have the right to become everything God says I can be, but it takes my free will to let go of that which I want to do that's opposing who God says I am, to coming to who God says I am. So you have to understand this. We always blame the devil for opposing us, and a lot of times it's not always the devil and his demons opposing us. Our self opposes us. Yeah, that right. Self becomes complacent. Self becomes lazy. Self becomes comfortable, and then we don't challenge ourselves to go any further than where we are. But then we get mad at the circumstances, and then we think it's God, and it's not necessarily God because we're the ones with the toolbox. This is the great gift that God gave us of our creativity. There are so many things that we could do and and better ourselves, better our communities, better our situations, But because of this ideology we have that God's going to do it. So I just sit here and twirl my thumbs and just wait for the Lord to do it. (laughs) And that's why we wait so long. If even in the Bible, if you read, it states that they went and did what God told them to do, and God was with them. It wasn't that God told them, sit here and just wait, just wait, just wait. And when I possess your mind to tell you to take off running, then take off running. No. They had instructions. They knew what God said they could do. And they stepped out and they started doing it and God was with them. So this is the key. Do I believe that God is with me to Mm -hmm. become who I am? I'm not building this character by myself. God is right here with me, helping me. And this is what we got to understand. We're not alone in this. Okay, so sword two. And I want to look at verse 287. Uh, uh, Beth, read
0: that. Say it again. I got a question. Go ahead. I have a question. So, say for instance, you, you made, okay, everybody, you made a lot of wrong terms in life. And those wrong terms,
6: have called up with
0: you. The question is, do you
2: clean your plate off? Because sometimes if you don't clean your plate off, you can't, most of the time, for most people, they can't start over. Like somebody coming out of jail, so to speak. They did a lot right. of different things and they got, they, they, the plate, they set their plate, and now they eat eating everything that they set their plate for. And and now that they're out, those things just don't disappear like that. You, you know, you have to work your way back into um, life existing now from what you came from. So I guess that's my question. In order to to be to have or to make 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 do of what God wants you to become, do you clean that plate off first? Or how does that work?
1: Now when you say clean the plate off, are you saying go back and and and, and change the past?
2: Not change no, I'm not saying change the past, but that that stuff is still on your plate, which makes it hard for you now to get a job. It makes it hard for you to further along in your your education, your living I and stuff like
1: that. In a circumstance like that, young man goes to jail, you know, say he sold some weed or got caught with a bunch of weed on him. Now he's got this on his record. Can't get a job, a good job, so say. Can't do this, can't do that, but he's trying to walk on the straight and narrow. So at this point, you know, to 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 clean the plate off, there's nothing that he can do he or she can do to erase what's on their record. But if their heart is sincere and there's a true repentant change, Allah will open the doors for them to have what is needed. If that makes sense.
2: Right.
4: Right.
0: Now, I I'll give you an example.
4: There's a, uh, there's, a man that we know on, very hold on. I'm sorry, can I interject there? Yes. <laughs> right. Um, I just I know you use the scenario about having the record and whatnot, but at certain point of time or certain um process you can get an expungement.
1: Right, but that's and here that's... down the line. Yeah. We're talking about if a person's getting out right then and there and they try to walk on the straight and narrow and do the right thing. And this is this, this off subject, off subject, but still on subject. This is why so many of our young men end up on the deep end because they get out, they try to do the right thing, they try to do the straight and narrow, but a system has been set up against them that basically forces them back into the lifestyle that got them in there in the first place. Right. But this and is now – and this is now where their choice has to come in at. They've now I've got to make this choice. Do I go back to my old ways to survive, or do I wipe the slate clean and start over and trust God, even though I know it's a jacked-up situation right now? I can't get a job. I can't get this. I can't get that. I can't. I can't. I can't. And the opposite gets them. This is now going back to that part where I say we are in a position or in an arena that now my conduct is going to determine the outcome of how this is going to be. It's not necessarily that God has already preordained this. is that the outcome of my conduct is what's going to bring about the end result of this. So if I choose to go back to selling,
6: then nine
1: or ten times I'm going to get caught up in the system again and I'm going back to jail. Did the devil do that? No. Did God do that? No. I made a choice. Or I can make a choice to leave that crowd alone. I ain't about to be out on the street selling. I'm going to do what I got to do. If I got to knock on doors and say, can I cut your grass, can I take your trash out, whatever I got to do to make an honest living and trust that God's going to meet me there, then that's the choice. And if that's the honest choice that I'm going to do the right thing and trust God to guide me, best believe God's not going to leave that young man or that young woman hanging. Um, Prime example. One man that we speak of a lot, Malcolm X. Now, the part of Malcolm X that nobody really talks about is the time that he spent in jail, when he was robbing people and doing crazy stuff. So he wasn't always the man that we ended up seeing. In his early life, he was stealing from people. He was mugging people. He was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, drinking and shooting at people. Then he ended up in jail. He found God in jail. And he got out and the odds were against him. And you gotta think at that time back then the odds were far worse than what they are now. But yet he kept his faith. And look what God made out of that criminal. He was once a criminal, but because he submitted his ways to God and trusted God, God and Malcolm built a character in this man that God was able to use this man to change history.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if God can do it for Malcolm, he can do it for any young man that comes out that jail cell and has a, a, a made-up mind that they're not going back to those old ways. Um, even Venus, just even outside of jail, it's even in our uh, our freedom, if, if we, uh, let's use relationships for example. We keep having jacked up relationships. Then a choice has to be made that I'm not dealing with that no more. If you if you meet this criteria and you do these things that everybody else did that screwed me over, I ain't. I'm not dealing with it. You you cute you this you that. But yeah, you need to change your ways if you want to deal with me. If not, it sucks to be you.
6: Keep it moving. Because I'm
1: not going through that no more. Does does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so sometimes this cycle that we go through, you know, again, because of our, our traditional indoctrination, we think it's God taking us through these things. And most times it's not God taking us through these things. It's our own choices. Right. I made the choice. I made the bed. Now I'm landing a disaster, and I'm looking at God like, why did you? Why did you let this happen?
4: Why, God?
1: Why? Where are you? It's, it's not God. It's not God. Give you another scripture to think about. So God told the man of God Moses the power that He had given him to deliver Israel. So when Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, they came to an obstacle, the Red Sea. And Moses instantly started crying out to God, help us. What, what, what are we supposed to do? You brought us here to the sea, and, and I don't know what to do. And if you read the Bible, God asked Moses, why are you talking to me? I already told you the power you had. I already told you what you possess. Now speak to the sea, command it to part, and tell the children of Israel to go across, and I'll meet you there. And Moses obeyed, went up to the sea, he spoke to it, and then your Bible says God allowed his spirit, his ruach, to move on the water and separated the waters, and the children of Israel walked across on dry land. Here's what I want you to see. Moses went to God and basically asked God, what are we supposed to do? God responded with, why are you talking to me about this? I already told you what to do. So instead of wasting time talking to me, do your job. Mm-hmm. I'll meet you there.
0: Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay, so look at this. Sword two, And we're going to look at verse 286.
1: So in 286, Allah says, Allah taketh not a soul beyond its scope. For it is only that which it has earned, and against it only that which it has deserved. Our Lord condemn us not if we forget or miss the mark. Our Lord lay not on us such a burden as thou didst lay on those before us. Our Lord impose not on us that which we have not the strength to bear. Pardon us, absolve us, of all, and have mercy on us. You are a protector. And give us victory over the disbelieving folk. The part I want you to pay attention to is, Allah takes not a soul beyond, Allah has not a soul beyond its scope. In Other words, Allah does not take a soul beyond what it can handle. Hmm. But, He says, it is only that which it has earned. It making reference to the soul. The soul gets what it earns, and then vice versa. So if you really look at this, let's let's look at it here. For it is only that which it has earned, and against it only which it deserves. So what Allah is saying is whatever happens is upon man. Even in the Quran, Allah makes it very clear to us that we blame him for bad things that happen. Let me say it the way he says it. He says that when good things happen to you, you take credit for it and say, look what my hands have brought me. But when something bad happens to you, you instantly throw your hands up in the air and say, oh, Allah, help me. And Allah says make this make sense. So when you when good stuff happens, you don't give me praise for that. You take all the credit for it. But when bad things happen, you blame me.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: So here Allah is saying uh, uh, let me finish that other verse first. He basically describes that what happens in a man or a woman's life is based upon its own soul and its desires. So if my soul is over overly driven to do something gro- gross or perverted, and then something bad happens to me bodily wise, okay. So let's 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 use sexuality for a minute. So say I go out and I just do some stupid stuff, just go lay with it, somebody, and then three seven days later, y'all get my point without going into details. Mm-hmm. So now I'm sitting at the doctor, and they telling me mm-hmm. what's wrong. Well, guess who deserved that? Me, because I'm the one who went out and made this dumb choice. So did did God then put the, the virus on the person to teach the person the lesson? And this is what people will tell you. It happened to you because God let it happen to you because he was trying to teach you a lesson because you shouldn't have went out and did that. that. That would make God very cruel to make people sick to teach people lessons because they didn't do it his way. Right. Okay, when the person who has smoked for 50-something years goes to the doctor and they say you have cancer, then we say, well, you know, the Lord let it happen because you were disobedient. And, you know, if you repent, maybe he'll heal you. So do you get my point again? Mm-hmm. When bad things happen, we blame
0: God. When it's not God's
1: fault. Now, the next question then comes, then if God is so loving and God is so this, why does he let bad things happen? Okay. Sister Samaya, can you admit and agree with me that as of right now as we're talking, there are over thousands of children starving right now here in this country? are not even talking about the world. We're just talking about right here in America. There's somebody's child today who has not eaten in days. Can you agree with me on that? Yes, yes. Okay. So do we now really put the blame on God and say that God's allowing that to happen? God's allowing innocent children to starve?
6: Or what about
1: yesterday or the day before? Oh let me bring this one up. What about the thousands of kids right now who go missing every year? I told you I read a statistic and they said just an America alone. Over 4,000 children go missing every year. And this doesn't seem to bother anybody that 4,000 of our children of America go missing every year and they end up in some sex trade somewhere. So the little girl who's being kidnapped and forced into sexual labor, she's seven, eight years old, being accosted and molested by men, do we really sit back and point the finger at God and say, God, preordained this for this little girl, that she was going to be kidnapped and put into the sex trade? Does it make sense what I'm asking?
6: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and again, again, I'm not challenging God's knowledge. I'm not challenging God's sovereignty. I'm trying to get you all to see how we have taken tradition and mixed it with scripture and just totally created a doctrine
3: that paints
1: God out to almost be a monster, That would be a monster to let children die from hunger and rape and molestation and everything else innocent kids have to go through, and then to sit back and say, God, let it happen. God did it. Now, could God intervene? Yes, at any given moment. Why didn't God intervene? That's the one question I can't answer because I'm not God. One thing I can tell you is, is that in our physical world, God set everything in motion. Once everything was in motion, he let creation be creation. This is why God doesn't have to tell the moon to rise and set every day. It does what he ordained it to do. He He put the innate program in it, and it does what it does. So going back to something I was trying to say to Beth, but my ADD kicked in, and I went off to something else. So back to you, Beth. Uh, Because I told you I was going to tell you two things. I told you one of the two. So the second thing is you you have have children, yes? Right. Okay. Uh, Two boys.
5: How Mm -hmm. well do
0: you know them? How well do you know them? Perfectly. You sure? Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
5: Yes. Go. To the point
1: that I know exactly
5: what they're going to do before they even do it. Yes.
1: Okay, so that's where I'm getting ready to go. You know these boys enough because they're your, they're your offspring. That before they even act, you already know how they're going to respond to the situation. You just got to sit back and just wait. Now, let me ask you this. Out of the boys, when you already knew what they were going to do before they did it, have they ever done the opposite and shot you?
5: It's happened, but not often, I have to say. I'm pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. <laughs> pretty spot on. <laughs> but it's happened. I'll give them that much, but
1: yeah. So, Sister Vetus, as a mother, even when they were younger, did you always know before they even told you how they were going to react to something?
2: Yeah, for the
0: most part. Wait, like for instance,
1: if you fix some food and you have to think, let me hide this, because if I don't, so so going to come in the house and eat
2: it. I already know who's going to eat it, too. So with God,
1: what we have to understand is the tablet that he talks about in the Quran is not a tablet in the sense of what you understand a tablet, it's an imprinted code that he wrote himself. And that code is your DNA. So within your DNA, God already knows your characteristics. He knows how you respond to things. He knows how you're going to respond to things because he's the one who made the code. But then when he puts you in the arena, he gives you this key called free will. So, even though as my creator, he can sit back and say, you know what, he's about to walk into that argument over there, and I ain't know he's about to get real feisty, that that, that fiery side of him is going to pop up, and that, the choice is his. I either give into that fiery side and feel better about myself because I told you off, or... I allowed the God side of me to kick in, and I humbled myself down and answered you with calm words and defuse the situation, keep my energy intact, and then walk away and go get me a hamburger, and I'm happy. But at the end of the day, the choice was mine. I could have acted this way, which is my innate nature. Some of us just have an innate nature to
0: just pop off. I'm one of
1: them. <laughs> it's just the innate nature to just, what did you What you just say? Say it again. Please. Please do. I'm going to get a little bit closer to you so I can hear exactly what you said.
6: <laughs>
1: because I really feel,
0: a, I feel the anointing
1: of slap. I feel the anointing of slap coming on my hand. That's what I act. What did five fingers say to the face? Right. right Over time, by prayer and fasting, I've gotten better with that part of me. And, and I think my language right and, and there.
4: What'd you say? You speak in my language right there. I know that well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. you know, yes, uh, it got it itches and it itches and then, it then you like, like what you say oh shoot you <coughs> I you was Trying
1: to say, something, hey. but what you said right there caused you to get slapped. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's why I told you. what did you say? Well, I'm gonna scoot in just a little bit closer, so without reach, <laughs> I ain't got to reach far. It's just right there. <laughs> say
2: it again. Y'all better I have the opposite. I'm able to cut that's and slice and bite somebody with my with my mouth
4: without even touching. <laughs> I'm able to do that, that too. I,
2: I,
1: Venus, I could do the same thing, but it's just something in my nature. It's just in my nature. If you wanna get wrong, dog? Let's whoa. You wanna get wrong? Hey y'all, sis so, sister so, Samaya's so, so witness to this part of me that I'm I didn't I didn't put my hands on the police officer, but she got a chance to see the round other side of me. Right? <laughs> and I told y'all.
6: I told y'all, I'll never
1: forget oh. Tina's face. But I'm looking at Tina to back me up, but Tina just had that look like, please stop. Oh my God, we're gonna go to jail tonight, please stop. <laughs> so so I, I, I one of you all just said it and I don't know who it was, but I'll repeat it. We each of us have a flaw. Four flaws that I know about and God knows about. It doesn't need to be anybody else knows about our flaw. That's between me and God. But the key is Am I aiming at changing those flaws into perfections?
6: Mm -hmm. Or am I
1: just stagnated and just being who I am and I never change? Like people say, I'm a drunk because my daddy was a drunk. I can't help it. It's just in my blood. Alcoholism runs in the family. No. That's a cop-out. That's an excuse. You have a choice.
2: Right.
1: Well, I'm a womanizer because my daddy was a womanizer and I can't help it. It's just in me. No it's a choice okay so so look at look at sora fifty three they actually go to sora sixty seven sora sixty
0: seven is
1: that fifty seven uh, uh, my bad i'm i'm my a b d kicked in 76. <laughs> 76. Yeah, dislike to me. Dyslexia, ADD, it all (laughs) works for me. (laughs) So, so source 76. So in verse 1, Ba says, Has there come upon man ever any period of time in which he was a thing unremembered? Lo, we create man from a drop of thickened fluid to test him. So we make him hearing, knowing. Lo, we have shown him the way, whether he be grateful or disbelieving. So Allah basically said, We created man from this drop so that we could test him.
2: And the test is going
1: to be are you grateful? Or are you ungrateful?
2: Hmm.
1: So this is why both Quran and Bible tell us we have to learn how to be content with what we have. I have what I have because this is what Allah has allotted to me. But if I sit here and look at the house and look at the car and look at everything I have, and poor me, poor me, I wish I had a bigger house like so-and-so, and poor me, my life's sucks because all I see is the same wall. So I'm ungrateful. That's that's not showing a person gratitude for what they have. This is why even in the Bible it says if you be faithful over the little things, I'll make you ruler over many things. But if I can't appreciate where I am right now and treat it like it's the best thing in the world, I don't care if God gives me a hunt in the desert. If that's what God gives me, I'm going to treat that like it's a mansion until he gives me something better. Right. But if all I do is sit and complain about it, you, 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 you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So again, it comes, say it again. saying, oh, okay. take it and strive with it. I got you. So again, it comes down to choices. Not necessarily what pre-planned. It's choices. Allah says, "You know what?
0: Put him, put her
1: in that position or that predicament. There. Let's see how they react." hmm hmm mm-hmm. Or sometimes it, it, your your enemy will put you in situations purposely just to get a reaction out of. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes your soul. And it's, 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 uh, before I say this one, go over to, uh, Sora 41. Let's go to 41 first. I have a question? Yes, ma'am.
0: So, I get.
3: I have been saying, because I believed it, that nothing happens unless God wills it or allows it. Correct. Can you put some, can you put some perspective on that in regard to what we're talking about here? I yes, mean, ma'am. Oh, and, not.
1: Go ahead. No, 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 because in the Quran, Allah tells us, now, here, here's, okay, point it two ways. What you just quoted is in the Quran that nothing befalls us unless Allah wills. Okay. So, but when you take the verse out of context, it you make it sound like whatever happens, that's what God wanted to happen. So just go with the flow. So, but in context, what Allah is discussing is when when things are taken from you or things are added to you, and what he's dealing with is how believers react to when they lose something. Because he brings up you it is possible that you would love that which will harm you
6: mm-hmm. and
1: that you hate that that was actually good for you because you don't know I do. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how that's how the context starts off and then he brings up about when the believer loses, you know, wealth or children or whatever. And and he tells Muhammad to tell the people, do you trust in your Lord? Because nothing will befall you, death, sickness, whatever, unless Allah allows it. So in Mm -hmm. other words, what he was basically telling the believers is stay in a place of peace. Stay in the place of commitment because no matter what befalls you, Allah has allowed it. Now when you read on further, he explains, that that which we sometimes think it looks bad is actually for our good, but because the way we perceive it, we throw tantrums about it. Like for instance, if 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 you lose a house, we instantly would freak out. I lost my house, Amy. They done took the house. The bank done came and took the house. I, mean, I oh God, I don't know what to do. But instead of freaking out, we just step back and say, I I, I trust Allah. And, again, I've been before, in some situations, it does not feel good. It makes no sense why I'm going through this. But in the end, I look back and I realize I wouldn't have got here had that not
2: happened. Right. So
1: sometimes right. what what looks bad isn't always bad. So the context was keep our trust in Allah in all circumstances and know that Allah behind you 100%. And has the best interest at, at heart. So, he explains bad things happen. But do you trust in your lore or do you
0: freak out? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that brings any further context to you or not, Tina. It does. It <laughs> does. So, so,
1: so that's why I say can God intervene? Yes, most definitely. <laughs> It is his creation. He can do whatever he wants to do. Can't God step back and say, you know what, I'm going to let this roll? He can do that. But, again, you have to understand, Allah's wisdom is not like our wisdom. So I'm on day two of an incident that I don't quite understand. Allah already knows what the end result's going to be on this, and it's for my good. But while I'm freaking out and throwing tentacles, I ain't going to the mosque no more. Matter of fact, I ain't doing no salah today. Doing Do it. no salah. You want me to? You want me to pray three, five times a day? But g- gonna let me go through this? No. So then, when the blessing <laughs> happens, and then is that moment that you realize that what was looking bad wasn't for your bad at all, but it was for our good. Mm-hmm. Um. Tina, I've also learned that sometimes bad situations happen, not necessarily because God told the angels, go down there, go down there and rack his world up. I've learned that what happens a lot of times is God will have spoken to me several times, whether in dreams, in visions, or whatever the case is, and tell me, like if it's dealing with a person, God will tell me, leave it alone. But in my mind, I don't see a logical reason to leave it alone. They've not done nothing to me. They're not distracting me. So, I okay, I'll I'll back off some. I won't leave it alone. So then God comes and tells you again, leave it alone. Y'all know how this goes, right? We don't listen. So the final resolution is, okay, you want to do it the hard way. So then all hell breaks loose between me and this person. All of a sudden, we now arguing.
4: we don't like
1: each other, and it's like we are being forced apart. Now, here's the thing you need to think about. Had I done it a long way in the first place and just left it alone, the peace and the blessing that could have came behind it versus the way it had to go with chaos but it's not necessarily a lost fault that the chaos happened. The chaos came about because I wouldn't be obedient from the duck. Right. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. hmm
0: Yeah now, now,
1: where did I tell y'all to go? Forty one. Seventy six. Forty was it yeah, forty one? Yes, yeah. forty one. Forty one. And we'll look at verse forty six. Where it says, Whoever does good does it for his own soul, and whosoever does evil does it against his own soul. So further in this, if you read it, this is why law tells us in the Quran when we humans do bad, it doesn't affect him. Because when we do bad is not against him, it's against our own souls.
2: Right. If right. we
1: if we if we do good, it doesn't affect him. Because if we do good, we do it for the good of our own souls. So nothing I do, good or bad, will make or break who Allah is. With or without me, Allah is going to be Allah. So this
0: is why
1: people say, you know, well, God God, God deals with people based on this and based on that. No, 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 no. Or God didn't do this because you did that. No, 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 because my actions do not make or break God. Now, again, I'm going to emphasize what I always emphasize when I bring this matter up. I am in no way saying just go out and do whatever you want to do. Because at the end of the day, my choices affect me. They don't affect God. They affect me. So I either make the right choice and do things the right way, or I make the bad choice and I do things the bad way. The end result gonna be a reaction. There's a reaction to the good, and there's a reaction to the bad. I just shared with somebody earlier, we have to understand that when we make bad choices, and the chips start falling, it's not just us that get affected by it. And I don't think this is the thing that people think about. Our choices affect many other people besides just ourselves. Right.
0: So so if you can get the feel
1: here, this is about choices. So so your Bible says we also stand in front of the judgment seat of God, and we each will be rewarded for the deeds done in the body. Deeds meaning actions. Actions. So again, if I've already been destined to be one or two, why take me through a judgment to reward me for what I did, good or bad, because it shouldn't matter because if it's already been destined I was going to be bad – it doesn't matter if I was already being destined to be good. It doesn't matter. If that's the case, then everyone who claims to be saved isn't really saved in the sense of what we understand saved because we had no choice in the matter to be saved because we were already picked to be saved. <coughs> and then when you think about it this way, that makes salvation sound so much fun and so beautiful that
0: it was it was it was a pre choice.
1: Pre-choice, pre-choice, pre-choice. And again, that puts God in this bracket that we have to evaluate if he has already selected the 144,000 who's going to make it. And everybody else is going to hell. What's the purpose of life there? The to answer the question, what would be the purpose of my life, your life, anybody else's life if I have no say so in this? I'm just living day by day at his mercy, his will. Now, I have learned this, in Islam particularly. We use Allahu Alam as the excuse because it it, it makes us, we, for, for whatever reason, people of faith feel bad when we go through hard times. We feel bad. Because we feel like our faith is under fire, you know, and and I'm pretty sure if you've been in shoes like I have been in where people come at you and they're like, man, I'm shocked that you're going through this. I mean, you're such a man of faith
2: and power.
1: I just, I, I couldn't imagine you going through something so bad like this right now. And then it makes you feel condemned like you did something wrong. So the way we feel better about it is by saying, well, you know. God, God God, willed it, and if God willed it, God, God knew, Tina, God knew I was strong enough to handle this, so that's why he picked me.
2: He picked me to
1: take me through this because he knew I was strong enough and powerful enough and I was going to come out of this. And that's not the case of what's going on. Life happens.
2: Mm-hmm. Stuff
1: happens. It's not the circumstances that matter. It's how you react to the circumstances that matter. Right. That's the key because in the circumstance, if you act accordingly, that now becomes a stepping stone for you to grow spiritually because when the next trial comes, you won't be as threatened by it as you were the last time because you done went through this. You done seen God's power. You saw how God brought you through. You saw how God guided you and the storm was blowing every which way, but you stood your ground in your faith in God and He brought you through it. So now the next battle that comes, you, 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 you feel froggy.
0: This is all you got?
1: This, this is all you got.
0: Okay. So, so, uh, Go to go to Romans chapter 4. So as you're
1: going to Romans 4, in Jesus' teachings, are any of you aware of what Jesus called sin? Missing the mark? Is that
5: what you're talking about?
0: Not what sin means, what do he call sin? Ain't it disbelieving?
1: That disbelief. In the teaching of Jesus, Jesus teaches us that sin is
0: unbelief. So what the
1: devil tries to do is use the environment that we're in, and all circumstances. And these circumstances are set up, number one, to make you have unbelief. Because the moment you operate in unbelief, that now opens you up to missing the mark. How's that missing the mark? Because God created you to be a victor, a victor, should I say. He created you to be the champion. He created you to come on top of every circumstance. And not only did he create you this way, he empowered you with his spirit. And not only did he do that, then he gave you the tools that you would need to do this building. But, again, if I push the toolbox to the side and I sit there and just wallow in my my mess, regardless (laughs) if I created the mess or I just made a bad choice, whatever the mess is, I have a choice to either stay in this mess or come out this mess. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And when you come out the mess, coming out the mess doesn't happen overnight. I I will share that now. For those of us who have ever come through anything, it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It could be a matter of weeks. It could be months of you battling Mm -hmm. something within yourself. But one day you're going to look up, and this is how it normally works. When you are battling something in yourself, weeding it out, you don't even realize that it's gone up until your Lord allows you to be put in the arena. And then when you're in the arena and that spirit or that, that, that situation is trying to provoke that side of you and you don't react the way you normally would is the moment the light bulb goes off and you realize you have spiritually grown. Because you didn't react the way you would normally react to this ten months ago or a year ago or two years ago. And this is how you identify growth. Do you react the same way you used to react? If so, it's no condemnation. It just means we still got some work to do. And then I've learned, too, Sister Vita, that sometimes with Allah, he allows, And understand, I'm saying allow, not that it was preordained, but he allows things to happen because at the moment that I think I'm good, and at the moment I Mm -hmm. think I've arrived to the place of holiness Mm
2: -hmm. that I'm
1: striving for, and you're walking around like I'm untouchable. Venus, I am so untouchable right now. I'm living right. I'm eating right. You know, I'm holy. I ain't eating things I shouldn't be eating. I ain't drinking things I shouldn't be. I ain't looking at things that I shouldn't. And it's that moment that you are high and healthy on your high horse that a circumstance will come up.
2: And normally mm-hmm. in that
1: moment, it's to draw out of you a manifestation so that God can show you you're not where you think you are. This needs to be
2: dealt with. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, one thing I am trying to implant in our minds is that we do not serve God who is sitting on his throne having fun with us, taking us through unnecessary circumstances in life just to have fun with it and torture us. That That's not the God we serve. When we hurt, he hurts. When we hurt, he hurts. And unfortunately, we live in an environment where everybody has choices. Cain was born into a jacked-up situation, okay? His daddy is a fallen one, if we want to call him that. So Cain was brought into the world. He didn't ask for that. He didn't have to be born with such hate and malice in his heart and in his bloodlines. He didn't ask for that. And this is part of why people always ask the question, why was God so kind and merciful to Cain when Cain was the seed of the devil? And the reason is, is because, like everybody else, this innocent baby was born into the world with free will and choice. So Cain didn't have to be what he was, even though it was in his nature. He could have chose the opposite. could have chose the opposite. It's just like in Abraham's bloodline. God told him, there's going to be some of your bloodline that's going to be righteous, and there's going to be some far from that. Why? Because they all had choices. Just because I was born into a holy, sanctified family does not automatically make me holy and sanctified. I have to
6: choose
0: that.
1: So 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 skip what I just said. Go to Job one. I didn't realize it was nine eighteen. Go to Job one. That's what happens when you teach. You just lose track of time. <laughs> so, so as you go going to Job chapter one, what I was going to show you Romans four was where it states that. Uh, uh, uh Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness so even if you go back to Genesis 15 I think it is where it, these very words are spoken that Abraham was deemed righteous by God not because of what he did or didn't do but because he believed God
6: mm-hmm.
1: even in the Quran Allah tells you Righteousness is not about doing this or doing that or praying this way or praying that way, but rather righteousness is he. Righteous is he who believes in one Allah. Yes. Righteousness is he who believes in my books and my angels and my prophets and the day of meeting with me. That's who I deem as righteous. So most people, when you say righteous, righteousness deals with the way I dress. And the way I walk, and how many times a week I go to the mosque or I go to church—none of that deals with righteousness. Righteousness is a matter of the heart. The word righteousness means upright with God. Mm -hmm. Again, I could put on a suit and tie, carry my Quran, Bible, whichever book, and oh, he's such a—he's such a man on fire for God.
0: And I can trick everybody.
1: Absolutely. Case, case proven. Case proven. And again, not not judging or pointing fingers, just bringing up something for you to think about. And because I'm recording, I won't say names. I'll just if you don't know who I'm talking about, just amen. So a few years ago, there was a big pastor that was making 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 make. He was he was becoming big. Um, uh, there was the preacher that looked just like Will Smith. If y'all know who I'm talking about, he looked just like Will Smith. He was like a, yep. Uh, uh, yep. okay, so had a big church, yeah, had a big following, was on TV, was on TBN, everything. And watching him, he was very charismatic, very anointed man. But it devastated Amer- the Church of America one day when news hit, when his death hit the news. Because they found him OD'd on cocaine in his hotel room during a revival he was doing.
6: Hmm.
1: Questions Again, I'm not saying this to judge him and say, oh, he was a fake preacher and all this. We don't know what that man was going through. But here's what I'm saying. External, yes, he looked like everything was good. He looked like everything in his life of faith was well. But reality showed us something was going on in his heart that ultimately ended his death with an OD. Again, I stress, not judging me, not, not not talking bad about it. I'm just pointing out that it's not about how we look on the outside because nobody knows what's going on on the inside but Allah.
2: <laughs> Amen. Yes, yes. Absolutely.
1: Okay, so uh, there's a lot of us who could put on the church show. We've been in church long enough. We know all the cute phrases. We know we know the Holy Ghost face. We know how to make it. The Holy Ghost face. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah. I can't do it right now because you can't see me, but you know that mean little face we make when we when we speak it in tongues or we doing something you say You know, you scrunch your face up a little bit glory you know just <laughs> so we can trick each other but there's only one who knows who's truly righteous meaning upright in their hearts and in their intentions and that's a law and that's what we are judged on is our intentions a lot of us in the cross that every man will be judged based on his intentions so you could do all the good acts in the world you want, but if the intention behind them was wrong, it doesn't amount to nothing to Allah. Right. I could go out and feed the hungry tomorrow, stand in the rain and just feed them all. But if my goal was to be seen by other preachers in Cincinnati so I can get in their pulpit and get known a little bit more, we gonna, y'all, we're going to make Kingdom Embassy more known in the city, then... And all that feeding I did amounts to nothing, because I didn't do it for Allah. I right. did it for other reasons. So even in your own life, if you are not changing for the love of Allah, and you're changing because you're tired of people looking at you like a hypocrite or whatever the case might be, it amounts to nothing because you didn't do it for Allah. Right. Everything that we do has to be for Allah. If if there's a flaw in me that I'm trying to change, I'm not doing it for me or to be better, just a better person in society. I'm doing it because Allah loves me and I know this is what Allah wants for me. So for because of my love for Allah, I want to do what he wants me to do. So I'm going to strive and use the tools he gave me plus his power to become the person that he says I am. Not so I can be superhero of the world. But for the sake of Allah, that if he was to call me to stand in front of him tomorrow, I can go in peace knowing that I, I was striving to do that which you called me to do. And I think this is the key. And well, let me read Job first. So
0: Job 1, verse 1. Beth, read that for me, please.
5: Job one verse one.
1: Verse one.
5: There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there okay, were born. Hey, stop there. Stop there.
1: Stop, uh-huh. there! stop there! stop there! Job was perfect, so the Bible mm-hmm. says, right? mm mm-hmm. So we read this and we we put Job like some superhero because he was perfect. Bible says Noah was perfect. Bible says Abraham was perfect. Bible says a man by the name of Asa was perfect. Bible called many people perfect. But when you do research on this word perfect, it doesn't mean perfect in the sense of never make a mistake, never have
3: human flaws.
1: Perfect meant that his heart, his devotion to Allah was perfect. It wasn't about him doing it to be a show. It wasn't about him doing it to be seen. It wasn't about him doing it for other people. His relationship with Allah was sincere from the heart, and that's what made him perfect. Same way with us. If our intentions of our spiritual development are purely for the sake of Allah, then we can walk in that, that level of perfection, not meaning never make a mistake, it just means internally where my heart is. It's in a perfect state because it's all about Allah. And that's what each of us should be striving to, to get to that place in our heart where it's all about Allah. Mm -hmm. If I marry it's for the sake of Allah, not just because I want to marry and I'm tired of being lonely, Mm
2: -hmm. marry for the
1: sake of Allah. Okay? If I do anything it's got to come to the point where it's for the sake of Allah. Here's why: because once you get your heart to doing things for the sake of Allah, your heart won't easily do things against Allah or against yes. your own soul. Yes. You really step back and start to think about your actions before you do. And I'm yes. being honest with you. You once yes. you really start striving to be what God calls you to be. There's a part of your consciousness that opens up that you've never been aware of, and yeah. you begin to evaluate things in a different way, not about other people but about yeah. yourself. Mhm,
4: so you start being yeah. more
1: self aware of how you say things to people, yeah, you start actually, you start actually at the moment you do something off the chart or something that you shouldn't have did. Your soul will vex you at that very moment. Mm-hmm. Now when I say vex, I'm not talking about condemn. But your soul will convict you and poke at you and let you know you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. You shouldn't have told you shouldn't have told that joke. You shouldn't, have, you, you, shouldn't have, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have you shouldn't have you shouldn't have took that candy that was sitting on the table and you knew that candy wasn't yours. Why'd you take that candy? Right. I told mm-hmm. you. I, I told you about all testament few weeks ago, about cook. The- <laughs> yeah, I took those cookies, and I shouldn't have took those cookies, and I felt so bad about it. And I was trying to eat those cookies and enjoy that snack, but was- I couldn't. I couldn't enjoy the snack because the whole time I'm eating the cookie. This is just foul. You took all those cookies, and you was always supposed to take one, but you took all three packs of cookies. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you start becoming self aware of things. Um, uh, uh prime example, prime example, prime example. Went to the store the other day. Lady gave me back way too much change. And at the moment she handed it to me, the soul said, "It ain't your fault that she don't know how to count the money. You know, she gave you, she gave you your change." Walk away, walk away. But then the that other God part of me said, "That's silly. You walk you walk out this store with that money. Mm-hmm. You have to think at the end of the day when she counts that drawer, her drawer is gonna be short. She's <laughs> gonna lose her job behind that. You know all the other thoughts start coming. So there's this internal battle going on in me to walk away with the extra ten dollars. It was just ten dollars." Walk away with the extra $10. And, of course, my mind is saying, you can put that in the gas tank. Oh, you can stop at McDonald's right right there. There you go. Get you a 20-piece chicken nugget meal right there. And I had a choice. That was the test, yes. That was a simple test. The test yeah. was my conduct. Was I going to be sneaky and know that this woman had overpaid me back with change and take it? And walk away with it. But you know, I had to think about the cookies. Even if I take this money and go get me chicken nuggets, I'm not going to be able to enjoy them. Because my soul's going to keep nagging at me about how filthy you are that you took that $10 and went and brought these chicken nuggets. (laughs) Right? So, so so I passed my test. And I told you, sis, sis, hey, you gave me $10 more than what you were supposed to. And she kind of looked, are you sure? I said, yeah. And I went through it with her. And she leaned over. She said, thank you so much for being honest. Thank you. She said, you know how many people would have just left and just took it? I know. But, you know, I didn't want to tell her, like, hey, I was about to be one of them. But I know, I, I know a lot of watching me. And I know one day I'll have to answer to this. That's what you laughing for.
5: This is the way he said it. He's like, how am I wasn't going to tell her? I was about to be another one.
1: <laughs> like, you don't know how
5: close she got. <laughs>
1: and I'm being honest. And I'm going to tell people, instead of being this, oh, you know, I don't get temptations, I don't, that, no, no. no that would be a lie. You deceive yourself.
6: Yeah. This is what the Bible says. When you
1: when you try to act like you have no flaws in your life, you deceive yourself. And you actually you actually go against the mercy and the grace of God. This is why God is merciful and graceful to us. That yeah. I can make mistakes, I can have flaws, and He still loves me.
5: Okay. Can I add
1: something? He still go for it.
5: I just wanted to add, okay, so I've had a very similar situation not too long ago um, with my job. Um, they paid me for too many hours, and I saw that on my on my timesheet prior to actually getting paid, and I was like, wait a minute, I didn't do all this overtime, but, oh, just like you said, though, in the back of my head, my first thought was, they don't pay you enough anyway. I mean, you're only getting what you actually worth, Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It was like the first split second, it was like, eh, nah, better not. <laughs> I, I'm
3: so, and you know this, I'm so,
1: oh, go ahead, Dina.
3: No, I was just going to say, you, you know the thing about that is, is that when they recognize that, it it comes back on you at the most inopportune time. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
6: yeah.
3: Yeah, you remember about like eight months ago when you had eight
1: hundred extra dollars, uh-huh. like, bro. <laughs> uh-huh. And you can't lie about it. I never saw that. No, I, I know, I know not. not. Me speaking no English. Me speaking. No English. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. So, 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 it's 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 these moments. It's these moments that you have to, like I said earlier, that because we're so engaged in the physical world, we don't engage in the spirit world and this is this is the
2: unique thing
1: about our creation. we are open to both the physical and the spirit world at one time. It's not that I gotta cross this to get there and then come back over here. no, it's accessible at one time. So, for instance, the, 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 the example Beth just described or the example I just described, the spiritual aspect of this is possession. I'm not going to teach you about possession tonight, but I will say this. That which we call orthodox teaching on possession is not scripturally sound because possession happens in multiple different ways. And the word possession just means to come under the influence
6: mm-hmm. of something.
1: So it doesn't necessarily mean it got in your body and took over and you blacked out and you have no recognition of anything that happened. That's full-blown possession when you don't remember your actions. That's where the thing has absolute control. But in the case like that Beth just described, or I just described, what happens is we are now in a circumstance. We're in the arena. Character is about to be tested. And the moment the test is presented, the gym, or the entity that you don't see standing there, starts whispering, like you said, Beth. They don't pay you enough to keep that money, girl. I mean, keep it wasn't that like you was just right like, a, there.
5: it's right. It's not like you have that thought of like, ooh, I could get that new dress or something like malicious. You're thinking, I don't get paid enough. That justifies it, you know, or.
0: Yeah. You know, they've
5: been promising yeah. me a raise for six months now, and I still don't have it, so I'm just going to assume that this is my raise. Finding right, ways to justify it. Right.
3: right. And the
1: and the gin whisper to us so softly and nicely to make it sound like it's our own fault. It's us thinking mm-hmm. that. But in reality, it's something trying to influence me to demean my character so that I fail this test. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you when you come out with an A, you feel good about it, not, not necessarily patting yourself on the back, but you feel that spiritual high because you know you just conquered that part of you. You know because no, nobody else know the temptations and the voices that were just in your head to tell you to do that. And you were able to say no and really hold your guns and walk away from it and do what was right. That's always a good feeling in the soul, when you walk away and you do what's right. Again, I'm not going to give you this false impression that every time is going to always be the right thing because some of us I have weak moments. That. Like when I took those cookies. You know, that okay. was a weak
2: moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, the opposite, and I think I'm the opposite of that. Once you do do it and you don't pass it, it's like that thing bothers you afterwards. Yeah. Goes back. It's just I mean And, and, and that's that part I'm talking about about the show. Yeah, you become definitely. aware you become aware of actually what really took place. And there's been circumstances that I made. I I I I fell down with big changes. <laughs> I got you. All right. So
1: You, me, and if we all be honest, we've all had our test that we failed, and then we go home and we think about it like, gosh, darn it, I wish I could have did this different, or I wish I wouldn't have said that, or I wish I wouldn't have reacted that way, or, God, Mm -hmm. I wish I wouldn't have popped off with that man like that, because I feel so bad now because that's unbecoming of a man of God to be in there just going off on people. Mm -hmm. But here's the good sign. This is the good sign. For the fact that you can go home or get in the car or whatever it was that the moment dawned on you that you shouldn't have done that, that shows you that your soul is in a healthy place. Because it's telling you that wasn't good. We yeah. shouldn't have done that. When your soul does not convict you, you are you have a very sick soul. When you feel no remorse no more, where you don't even feel convicted about the small things no more. Your soul is in a very dangerous spot because now your soul's getting ready to become that hard rock that God can't even get into, and that's what He talks about. I called and I called and I called, but you wouldn't answer. Your soul becomes callous. Your heart, should I say, becomes so callous that God's knocking and talking the whole time, but because your heart is so cold, you can't even hear because you're so disconnected from it. He's not disconnected from you. You've disconnected from him.
6: This is why the Bible
1: says, beloved, if your heart condemns you, if your mind condemns you, God is greater. And this is why I tell people, don't live in condemnation of your mind. Let the prison of condemnation go. God's not condemning you. So why let the devil in your own mind condemn you? So what? The past happened. Go for it, Beth.
5: Okay, so you were talking about how you know you make sorry. I have a cat fight in the room. Um, so you know how you have um yeah, you know, like you said, the reprobate mind where no matter what you do wrong, you don't feel bad about it or any. It's just it is what it is. Deal with it, basically, right? Like, how 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 do you get that happy medium between a hard heart that doesn't care what you've done to anybody or anything and that's so soft to the point that you're still thinking about the messed up stuff you did when you was four. Like, even though you know you're forgiven, it's like the forgiving yourself part. How do you get in between those two?
1: Prayer. (laughs) That's what I can tell you is prayer. And I understand that. I, I, I do understand what you're saying. And I don't have a definite answer of Step A, step B, step C, I could just tell you prayer because I've been that person too. Um, prime example, when I got divorced, I I I I I beat myself up for years over that and everybody kept telling me, Pastor, she wasn't this and she wasn't that and she was this you shouldn't feel bad not one bit. But it's easier said than done. And right. I like, you that
5: what if uh, what if I had done this or what if I had just made one decision different? How does that have changed everything?
1: Right. So what I had to figure out or what or should I say what God had to teach me was there's no use in me holding on to yesterday cuz I can't change it. There's no use in me being afraid of tomorrow cuz I don't know it. But what I do have control over is right now. And what I do right now will lay the road for what's going to happen in my future. So I have a choice. I either stay here like deer in headlights and keep beating myself up about the past and the would have, should have, could have, and what ifs, or I stand here and I don't move because I'm too afraid to make a move for the future because I don't want to go through what I went through in my past, or I can deal with right here, right now, and trust God to guide me. And once I got that understanding in my head, and then the other understanding that, that helped me, Sister Beth, was me coming to the conclusion and God showing me He's not mad at me. He's not holding nothing against me. I'm, a, I'm holding myself prisoner. I never forget the night I kept asking God to deliver me. Oh Lord, deliver me. Please deliver me from this depression. Why, Lord? Why? And God spoke to my heart and told me I, I, it wasn't Him. I was holding myself in bondage. And I could choose to walk out that jail cell at any time I wanted to. And when God revealed that to me, it was like, oh, oh okay. And I walked out that jail cell and I didn't look back. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's a matter
1: of making up one's mind to just accept the past. I accept the past. I accept I was molested. I was. I accept, you know, I had a failed marriage. I, I accept. I accept all the failures. I accept them. And I see them today as learning experiences, not punishment from God for anything I did wrong. You know, just like I bring up when God spoke to my heart about embracing Islam. I went in headstrong because I just knew obeying God it was going to bring forth a miracle. Well, it didn't go the way I thought. I had church folks lie on me. I had church folks start hating me. I had church folks telling me I lost my mind and I had been tricked by the devil and this it ain't what the God like this is not the way this was supposed to go, sir. Hold on, time out. <laughs> but I look back at it now, years later, and and I see the bigger I see the bigger thing. I see why God did what he uh, uh did or allowed to happen. I see why I had to go through those things because I was so used to being the one, oh, possible stills, possible stills, possible stills, possible stills. So I wasn't used to full-blown rejection. But I had to go through a period of rejection because it was for the making of what God had me to do for the past. If I couldn't handle that little bit of rejection that I went through, how was I going to handle the rejection I was to face by standing up and telling the truth? Now, when they tell me, oh, we don't want you ever to come preach at our church again, okay, and you, and you can keep your little filthy offering. <laughs> yes, I go to churches and they don't like the truth. So, you know, get back in the green room or the pastor's office is, and it's like, Yeah, brother, you know, appreciate you coming to give us the word today, but I don't agree with that word for our church. I just don't feel like God told you to to to, to say that to our church today and we, we, we're not gonna ask you to come back and preach no more. Amen. Amen. And they go try to give me the envelope. No, I don't want your filthy money. You keep your cursed money. God will take care of me. And I shake the up off my feet, and I keep it moving. Now, years ago, I would have freaked out. What do you mean? What do you mean you don't want me to come back and preach no more? What did I say wrong? What did I do? I didn't even do nothing. Whereas today, I care less because I, I, it's not me you're mad at. I told the truth. If you could show me in the scripture where I was wrong, I'll, I'll repent. But outside of that, I'm going to stand on the word. And if you don't choose to do that, then sucks to be you. You and the church can kick rocks, and I'll move on to the next one. And I know it sounds harsh. It sounds harsh. And I'm not as harsh as it sounds. It's It's just how I feel about it. Okay, so wrap this up. We read about Job being perfect and blameless. But because the Western ideology with Christianity and stuff like that read the story of Job, and then we twist it. And we make this story out to be about how God basically threw Job under the bus. And God and Satan just make an ultimate bet. And poor Job is innocent in the story. He has no clue that God and Satan are making the bet on him. And then all hell breaks loose in Job's life. And if you really think about how it's explained in church, it's explained that basically God asks the devil, have you tried Job? Well, I tried, but every time I try, I can't touch him because you got him completely protected. But if you take the protection away from him and let me do whatever I want to do to him, I bet you he'll curse you to your face. So then God turns around and says, then all that he has is in your hand. Just don't touch his soul. So then it looks like a sick, twisted game between Satan and God with this Mm -hmm. innocent man, Job. Job's kids Mm -hmm. are killed. Job's life leaves him. He he loses his house, loses his health, loses his wealth, and at the end of the day, it's because God told the devil to do it. Everybody heard it explained this way, yeah. Okay, so we're not properly reading the story, and 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 the reason why it's explained this way, uh, uh, they explain it in a fearful way. And let me explain what I mean by fearful. Because it comes to the mind of the believer then that if Job was perfect and blameless, and yet God took him through all that, who are we that God wouldn't do that to us? So then we become fearful at any given moment. God could take away my car, my wealth, my children, and just let move. the devil just wreak havoc on me. Okay, so question. Does the devil
0: have free will? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, got right yes. I got.
1: I got one. Yes. Does Satan have free will? Anybody else?
0: Yeah. Who's the <laughs> so
1: Okay. Okay. So 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 we. Uh, yes. And the answer is yes. Satan has free will. I prove it to you in the Quran. He was at the council meeting. God gave an order. I want everybody to bow down to Adam. Everybody did except one being. God asked me, what's the problem? How come you not bow down like I said? And his answer was, because I refuse to bow down to something you made from dirt. And you made me from fire, and I was here first. So out of his own free will, he chose to disobey God. Mm-hmm. And because of his disobedience, he was cast out. So it wasn't that he was cast out part as part of God's sick game. He was cast out by his own free will. So then before he left, he told God this, because you have misled me,
0: you misled me, I'm going to sit on the path
1: of all your little humans, and I'm going to attack them from the front, from the left, from the right, and from behind. And I'm going to make every one of them ungrateful to you. They're not going to remember you. They're not going to praise you for the gifts you give them. They're going to do everything I tell them to do. And God's response is, fine. Do what you do, but you won't lay a hand on my believers. Because Satan had already said, the only ones that I know I can't touch are those who are truly sincere and devoted to you. But the ones who aren't, I'm going to mislead them all. And we'll see how precious your humans really are to you at that point. And God's response was, do what you do. And every one of them that choose to follow you, then I, I deal with them like I'm going to deal with you. So even in the Quran, Allah makes it very clear. It's your choice. And then Allah turns around and says, oh, children of Adam, do not let Satan seduce you as he did your first parents." Then Allah tells us, treat Satan as an open enemy. Mm-hmm. He, he, he warns us about him. He tells us about him. Same thing he did to father Adam. Now, it's our choice to either take Allah's words to heart and understand that we have an enemy who seeks to distract us and get us off the path of believing in God and get us into disbelief, which the scripture tells us is sin. Now, let me explain why sin. Because disbelief then leads to fear.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Fear then turns into doubt. So, you've got this mixture of unbelief and fear going on, so then we can't get prayers answered. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. I have to believe. So, walking in faith is not walking in this wispy, weird forest. Walking in faith is simply I walk in belief. But what belief? I'm walking in the fact of who God says I am. Regardless of what I see when I look in the mirror. Regardless of how I feel about this person that I see in the mirror, I stand on who God says I am. Okay, so every day Abdul Rockman wakes up, I don't always feel holy. And then when I say this, I'm not saying because I did something wrong. Some days I wake up and get ready for the day and it's like, you know what, screw this. I didn't ask for this life. Tired of dealing with people. Tired of dealing with people that make demons. And I didn't, didn't, didn't ask for this. I can't. I just be normal. Can I just have a normal life? I don't want to cast demons out of people today. I don't want to heal the sick. I don't want to prophesy to people. I just want to be normal. I have days like that, and I can admit that. But when I feel that way, I still have to hang on to who God says I am, in regardless of how I feel, because I might have a down, depressed day. You know, especially mm-hmm. you know when bills when when it's, when you're paying bills and the, the bills are higher than the money. And It's like you know what? I'm sick of this. Mm-hmm. Sick of this. You do all you do all this to pay your bills, and then by the time you're done paying, <laughs> have you all ever got a, Have you ever got paid, and by the end of the day, your paycheck is gone because you didn't pay everybody out, and all you got mm-hmm. left out of, yeah. out of thousands of dollars or more. It's like $100, and you're just just looking at the bank account like, hey, this is some bull.
2: This yeah. is some bull.
1: And
2: yeah. then I got to make
1: $100 fast me for two weeks until I get paid again, all the these people all over again. What's the point of life? Mm-hmm. And I know I'm not the only one who's ever felt like that. i you. But it's in those moments that I have to remind myself that I am blessed with every spiritual blessing. Yeah, God has it. already blessed me.
2: Mm-hmm. God has already
1: God has already uh 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 uh, uh provided for me. I may not mm-hmm. see the provision yet, but it's already done. I ain't got to worry yeah. about not being able to get gas in the car, I don't have to worry about feeding the kids, I ain't got to worry about it God's gonna take care of it. And you yeah. have to stand firm in that belief.
2: Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Now, like
1: money. Money. Some of us have this idea of being a millionaire one day. Nothing wrong with that. But then we get frustrated with God when it ain't happening fast enough.
6: Mm-hmm. When is it going to happen?
1: Tired of living from paycheck to paycheck. I know I'm I'm supposed to be more than this. I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be that. When? And I've learned. I've learned by my Lord that Again, going back to being content, I have to learn to be content with the lot that God has given me right now. And when He's ready, and the and, and law taught me the reason why some people don't become the millionaire is because the law already knows if you get that type of money in the condition of your heart right now, you're going to forget it, and
0: yeah. you're going to cling
1: to your money, and your money's going to be your god. So to protect you from polytheism. He doesn't give you that wish. He doesn't give you that prayer yet. It's not a no, it's just you're not ready for that yet. Because if I give it to you now, you're going to detour. But then there's some that he will bless with thousands of dollars. And you have to understand, when you look at, okay, let's bring up, um, uh, uh, I'm going to name a name, a, a rich family. Just think of one of the rich top rich families that exist in the world today. And and we look at them and we envy them. Oh, because I wish I had what they had, or this or that, and this and that. And what you don't understand is the wealth that they have is their test. Did you did you hear what I said? The wealth that the wealthy have is their test. Because a lot want to see their conduct. You have all the resources to make hunger go away, but you hoard it, and then you take from the poor to put more money in your pocket, and I've already given you everything you need, and they're not going to get away with this. This is their test versus the person who Allah is going to make wealthy one day, but right now they're not at that point yet, and the test is, can I manage what little bit I got? i say that again. If I can't manage $500, how would I manage $5 million? Right. Right. So because of this perfect blameless thing, this is what I say. We get the idea that at any given moment, God could throw us under the bus and turn us over to the devil. But the part of the story that we forget is in verse uh, of, of Job, uh, verse uh, not in the verse, but chapter three, and then verse twenty-five. Read that for me, Beth, and I'll close with this tonight.
5: You said Job one, chapter twenty. You said what? I'm sorry, I had a disagreement.
1: That's okay, Job 3, verse
5: 25. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me, and that which I was was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I... Oh, sorry.
1: Okay, so Beth, if you had to interpret verse 25 in your own words, what did Job say?
5: I dwelled on the negative, and I manifested it for
0: myself. That's pretty much what's being said. That's basically
1: what's being said that what I feared the most has finally happened. So if we step back spiritually, all the devil did was use Job's own faults against him. Mm-hmm. What gave Satan access to Job's life wasn't necessarily God threw Job as a bus. It was the fact that Satan had an open door to manifest all Job's fears. He feared his wife was going to leave him. He feared he was going to lose his wealth. He feared his children were going to die. And that's why he admits the thing that I feared the most has finally happened. I knew this was going to happen one day. So even though, get this, even though God was blessing Job, God was protecting Job, God was doing all the good stuff for Job. Apparently, Job had a hidden
0: fear. Job had some
1: unbelief somewhere. And it was through the avenue of unbelief that Satan had an avenue to come in and attack the very things that Job thought about. This is why I keep expressing our thoughts are real. Thoughts are things. They're not just thoughts. If you ever understand psychology and physics, they explain to you that actually when you think, it creates an energy wave that leaves the brain area, goes into the ether, and actually kind of just hovers until it manifests.
0: hmm if
1: you don't believe that, then understand this. This is why two people can sit in two different rooms or even sit in the same room, look at each other, and they seem to know what each other are thinking. Because I have the ability to project thoughts from myself to another. And if that person is open, they will pick up thoughts. And understand. I'm not saying you will hear the words that I thought, but the energy behind the thought because the thought is real because it's energy, the person I will pick to... up the energy and, and and know. What'd you say, Felicia?
4: I have to interject here. I actually hear word for word sometimes. what I, I got you. Things. Oh, okay. I got you. No, I'm not I'm not
1: saying it never happened. I'm just saying for the most oh, part it won't necessarily be words but you'll just know within your gut that this person is wanting to go, you know? Just like that mm-hmm. night, being silly again, just like that night, Tina's with me, and I'm clocking on the police. She never said a word, but her thoughts and that energy at that moment told me, shut up, please do. Abdul, Boston, <laughs> please, <laughs> calm down, calm yeah. down. <laughs> so this has then why when you get to the end of the story of Job, okay, so if you if you're familiar with the story of Job in between it appears or, or the way it's told to us in church is that Job's friends came to him and told him that all these bad things happened to him because he must have had done something wrong. Correct? Right. Or if y'all don't know, okay, I'm not saying if y'all don't know that part of the story, it's in there. That right. His three or four friends that came to him to encourage him. First of all, they came to encourage him. And I think it was like a day or two days, they all sat there in silence looking at him. And then one of them finally spoke up and they started speaking negative to him and say, Joe, why don't you just curse God, man? Just curse God and die. Just get it over with. And then the other one said, well, obviously you did something wrong for God to do to allow such evil to come on you. So by the end of Job, if you read the last chapter, you find out that God actually abrades Job's friends because he tells Job's friends, I got aught with you because you came to this man's house and you, you told lies to him. You said things that I didn't even tell, tell you to say. And then after he has this conversation with Job, Job admits, I spoke things out of my mouth that I shouldn't have said because I thought I knew something that I didn't. But now I know that he says, at one time in my life, I heard about your power, but now I, I've seen it with my own eyes, so now I know. And he asked God to forgive him for speaking out of terms and saying the things he said. What did he say? Oh, I wish I was dead. I cursed the day I was born. No, 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 y'all know all the negative stuff, Joe said. And God called him to the carpet on these things and then deals with him about his mind and his thoughts. So in closing, if you can keep your mind and thoughts in the arena of belief in your Lord, that he is your provider, he is your protector. He is everything, and don't allow the negative stuff to come in. You'll walk in faith. Mm -hmm. You allow the negative to come in, you will walk out of the faith arena and start walking in unbelief. And it is at the moment that you begin to walk in unbelief that condemnation sets in. Condemnation then alienates you from God because condemnation tells you you're not good enough. You're not Mm -hmm. just enough. You're not bad enough. God can never use you. God could never be close to you or you could never be close to God because you did this and you did that. And then God is trying to tell us it's not about you. It's not about us. And this is the beautiful thing about Allah, that he can look past our flaws and our failures and he still loves us and he still sees greatness in us and he's still willing to pick us up out the dust and dust us off and say, it's okay, you fell down, try it again. And he'll keep trying with us until we get it right, as long as we make the effort to do that which is right. So understand when bad things happen, it's not that God made this happen to you.
4: but look at it
1: as the arena. You've now been put in the arena to see how you are going to react to this. How are you going to react? You're going to pop off and get mad and then don't pray for a week or two weeks, three weeks. Stop reading the scriptures. And, 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 and if we be honest, and I know all of us have never went through this or experienced it, but huh. when you're mad at God, you
0: don't pray. You don't even want to hear about God because you're mad.
1: And this is the part that God is trying to help us get over, where we stop being mad at him and blaming him for things, and we take accountability. And we understand that it's about our choices and our actions. I can either become all that God says I am, or I can continue to lay here and wallow in this stuff and never amount to what God says I am, and I can continue to blame God and everybody else for my circumstances. I cannot change the past. I cannot change who, we we cannot change who we once were once. And I'm pretty sure all of us have some moments in our life that we wish we could go back and change. Or we regret deeply that we shouldn't have done those things. Some of us have hurt people that we didn't really intentionally mean to hurt, but we made choices that hurt people. Some of us, you all get my point. But we can't. And and, and when I say this, I'm not saying just downplay it like, oh, it didn't happen. Oh, well, they'll be okay. not saying that. But there's nothing Mm -hmm. that we can do about it. Nothing I can do about the people who mistreated me in my past. So there's no point in me still being angry at them no more. Those people are living their life uh, uh, and enjoying life, and they're living rent-free in my head. I'm still in bondage for somebody that did something to me 18 years ago. Do you know how... Miserable that would be to live in bondage to somebody who's not even worried about you or thinking about you. But the devil will take this and continue to play it in your head over and over and over and over. And it's all based to keep you in unbelief. Don't let the devil put you in unbelief. Counteract unbelief by believing. When he gives you a false report, speak a true report. And if you pay attention to Jesus, when the devil came to Jesus, he didn't go into frenzy. He stood on the word. It is written. This is what God said, and this is what I stand on. It is written. This is what God said. This is what I stand on. And that's how we have to be. I'm not saying you got to quote the scriptures to Satan. You're not got to quote the scriptures to yourself, but you get what I'm saying. You must, in your heart, stand on what God says about you and his word. Because God's word is all that matters. He's not mad. He's not condemning us. But he is pushing us to become who he says we are, but he leaves the choice to us. Okay? Questions, comments?
2: (laughs) Uh. I was gonna say, I'm about to, I gotta work in the morning. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, we off. hanging
1: up. We, we, no, no, don't try to hang up now. Don't try to hang, hang up now. Listen, <laughs> 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 you say, no, hey.
4: Oh, I have
2: Listen, I understand. Listen, I say because I want to, because I love the people you old know, learning and everything.